0: Hey, you. Welcome to Live with Liv, a show where I get real with friends, entrepreneurs, celebs, artists, and just all-around cool, down-to-earth humans who do incredible things. This is all a rerun from my Instagram lives, so please excuse any colloquialisms, silly sounds, or verbal mishaps. Listen while cleaning your room, working out, or taking a drive. I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi! Hey!
1: (laughs) How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's just jump right
0: into it because I know you're a very busy human being and I would love to hear about, you know, your journey starting from really college and how you wound up doing what you're doing because clearly it wasn't in your plan
1: or was it? Yeah, every parent dreams of their child owning a doormat. (laughs) Um, Yeah, sure. You want me to kind of just walk through it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I went to college. I went to Virginia Tech. I was a marketing major Um, right out of college. I got a great job at a a market research company, Nielsen. They do TV ratings and um, I worked there for six years and had different roles in ad effectiveness. I was a Six Sigma black belt. I had like a very corporate vibe that I I really enjoyed, but I kind of was looking for um, an outlet creatively because I've always been kind of artistic and um, painted turn off your curling iron iron on a doormat because I was always so late. uh, And I would always like on the train freak out that I was gonna burn my apartment down. So I painted (laughs) it and it hit on a a doormat and then um, put them on Etsy and like a month or two in maybe they like took off and went viral because an Australian radio station made it into a meme. And then, yeah, I started selling sa- thousands of doormats, reminding people of things on their way out that were forgetful <laughs> like me and named the business be there in five, because I figured that's a, something people would say that probably needed this product. And uh, yeah, it's really pivoted ever since then. But that's kind of how I initially broke away from my corporate job about a year. And I quit uh, because the mat company was still like growing. And I definitely didn't expect that. But That's since right. then, I, I've kind of pivoted too. So I don't know how far in you want me to go. <laughs>
0: go we want you to go all in. Like literally, <laughs> so you're selling these doormats. You sell over 10,000 units. You're based out of Chicago. You Like mm-hmm. I've seen pictures of you with
1: your mom and all the mm-hmm. mats everywhere. I mean, so then what? Yeah, so I, got, I kind of accidentally started this company. It grows. I left my job because I didn't feel like I... Not that I didn't have a choice, but I needed to streamline it. I needed to get it under, under control. I was working way too much. And I kind of always um, intended to go back to the corporate world. But then yeah, so it, it grows and grows. And we're in Nordstrom stores, we're on wholesale, we're w- working with Wayfair. My mom uh, helped me out so much and worked with me the whole time. And uh, I don't know, a few years in, I was kind of like, I, I don't want to run a flooring empire. Yeah. <laughs> like, this isn't really like what I want for my life. Um, and I, I believe that the passion should be not in the vessel, but like in the spirit of it, right? Like I loved right. the, the doing the job, but I think that I just didn't want to be in manufacturing. I didn't want to own a company that was product based. I'm more of like, I don't know. So I, 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 to kind of pivot away from that, I did some different things as I kind of scaled down the business and I wrote a book and I started a podcast. And, um, ever since those two things, that's kind of more my full-time job is, um, writing whether for myself and other people and uh, a weekly podcast
0: and okay so your weekly podcast is a huge hit and that came which i'd love to talk about from your instagram stories and you just being yourself and authentic but take us to twinkle Twinkle's social media star for a second like i know you used to write poems as a kid and and that's how you relieve stress and anxiety but what drove you to write a book about influencers and social media in such a you know, way of satire.
1: Yeah. I, um, at the time, I was only really on Instagram for the mats. And it was, this was kind of when influence, when social media was really shifting to be more of like a, a selling platform than just a sharing one. And it it was like the peak of like shameless bachelor contestant self promotion, right? And like, I was, I knew that in order to be, a, to survive as a business or a person, I needed to have a digital presence. I needed to grow on social media, but I just like, I don't know, I think it wasn't working for me and I was a little bit bitter, if I'm honest. And I think that's what the funny thing about social media is we're we're all such like critics and we're so above it, but we're also active participants. And um, so I wanted to write like a children's book that was kind of a a satire of like, how would a parent explain to a kid the vocation of an influencer? Like it's a teacher or doctor or lawyer. It's a very new job. And the thought of that just made me laugh. And I was like, well, what if she told it through swiping, like, instead of, you know, reading through a book, she's swiping through Instagram accounts of like nursery rhyme characters. So then I kind of ideated like, okay, would little Bo Peep have a GoFundMe for her lost sheep Would little miss Muffet hawk curds and whey protein, um you know would peter peter pumpkin eater be like posting his pumpkin spice lattes nonstop? like i don't know and um yeah i, I shopped it around the time got a publishing deal and um i just don't i don't think that it had really there'd been like goodnight ipad and whatnot but there really weren't a lot of uh books that were speci- like super specific to like social media language that maybe is more millennial targeted than anything
0: Right. And you bring humor into it. And it, it's just like one of those books that, you know, if we all have kids one day, it's like you want to read it because you want to read it for yourself more than
1: anything. So, yes, that was kind of what I would uh, my logic when I was proposing the book to different publishers. I was like, because of a traditional book proposal, you do like a market analysis and you try to really explain the reader. And I was like, well, to be clear, this has nothing to do with the reader. This is about the person buying it for the person they're gifting it to. And <laughs> I think people with baby showers, and it was the same thing with my mats, it's so often not necessarily the product, but how the person who's buying it for somebody makes them feel. It's almost like, oh my god, that's so my friend, that's so me. Or like we hate bachelor contestants or whatever. I knew that it would it would catch the attention of people who wanted to give a gift to a person with kids but didn't really know what to get them. So it, you know right. what I mean? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and, and you want to like be humorous and it's kind of
1: like, Excuse my language, but like buying
0: like a, a shot an inappropriate. I have like thirteen-year-old girls who follow me, so I like it's like buying. A I'm glad you know that because I was <laughs>
1: it's
0: like buying like a a, sh- um, a shot at a bar in the shape of something for at like bachelor parties, like yes, very... totally.
1: <laughs> and there's a very popular yeah. children's book, children's parody book, like insanely popular called "Go the F to Sleep," and people love buying that and it's been around forever and mine while uh mature it's wholesome it's not explicit and i always say it'll go over your head like you're watching clueless when you're 10 you know like right you just don't pick up on the double entendre or whatever right. <laughs> It's so funny. And I think that they should take your book and make it like a Disney
0: animated movie. So please let me know when it's
1: out. So I think there's a lot of humor in the social media space. And I think that the problem too and why it's not written about a lot is because it changes really fast. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, actually what's in mine is held up pretty quickly. But do you think about Vine being over? You know, TikTok is just now happening. It's kind of hard to make something that's somewhat timeless when it's about a technological topic.
0: Right, but you you find a way with humor to to focus on the things that are stagnant and the things that will be stagnant forever, whether it's 2050 or 2027. 20, I mean, it's like there are girls that are going to go on The Bachelor and sell skinny tea regardless of the platform. Truly, really,
1: they're never going away. I really don't think no. so.
0: You go, girl. Yeah. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that publishing adventure you had. Let's call it an adventure because, you know, you had to pitch yourself and and you had to, you know, reform and edit and really be articulate in your draft and and your pitching not only your book, but yourself to different Mm -hmm. publishers. What was that like? And how did you take that rejection?
1: You know, I think that people really overcomplicate things that they want to do and they assume everyone else has these secrets they don't have. But like I Googled it (laughs) (laughs) I don't know of any publishers. I don't have connections. Like I, I I think that people just have to have the will to figure it out. And I just kept researching, okay, like, how do I write a book proposal? Like, I went to all the books that seem vaguely similar. I looked up who published them or what their who what imprint published them and then had to see if it was in a big house and you slowly learn things like, okay, if it's a big four publisher, they won't take an unrepresented manuscript. So without a literary agent, I can't pitch to Harper Collins, Random House, Simon Schuster, whatever. And then like every book under the sun is under one of their imprints. You don't even realize that. So then you have to find indie publishers. And you kind of like make your list. And then to make sure people are serious, they all have different requirements. So it's like, you must only attach it, nothing in the email body. It all has to be in the email body. The subject line has to say this or we won't open it. They are really specific. And then beyond that, they're like, you might hear back within three to six months. So. I get why a lot of people don't pursue it because it's a ton of work and research for like, no outcome, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I don't know, I didn't have a lot to lose. Like nobody does. Like, who cares if somebody writes you an email and says your thing sucks. Like, (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) in the grand scheme of things. And I thought it was funny. And so yeah, I just kept trying. And then the one that ultimately published it emailed me within 24 hours of reading it. I think that's the thing too. It's never going to be in six months. They either like it or they don't. They just don't email you. And
0: so how do you get to that point? I mean, was it like you were you were altering your text based off of who you were publishing? Was it like, you know, there's this Harper Collins is a Regina George and you know, this publishing is right. more like Taylor Swift. Like how do you know how to
1: be a chameleon in the book publishing world? You don't. Um what a lot of uh like it's almost like you just have to do research about the things they've published. And I kind of would just try to cater it to be like, I really love and respect X, Y, Z. And I think this is why I'm a good fit. Or I see that you're really strong in the gifting category. I actually think my book is more of a gift than like a traditional children's book. Or Mm -hmm. honestly, it's time consuming. And I think that's just like a thing of why it's hard to try things because I would spend full business days where I could have been making money elsewhere uh, you know, putting these together and sending them out and only not to hear back. And I shopped around other ideas. I I mean, like, I really kind of ran my, uh, ran the gamut of available indie publishers. But I just think it's like a job interview. Um, so you connect with some people and you don't with others. And it's not always about your resume. It's about the dynamic of the person you're talking to. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a numbers game. And when people turn you down, it's it probably has less to do with the quality and more to do with them not vibing with it specifically. Right.
0: So you just keep going until you just find keep your going.
1: Person. Yeah, it's like, maybe swiping right, you just keep swiping right, I guess. Right. I, I really think that so many things in life are a numbers game. And we, mm-hmm. we very inaccurately project, uh like, s- unrelated circumstances onto an entire thing of like, well, these people didn't like it. So nobody's gonna like it. I don't like this guy. So dating sucks but I have like a background in data and statistics and I, and like you really almost have to ch- train your brain to not project inaccuracies onto every situation in your life where you're trying to take a risk. That
0: quote alone could shut down any podcast by the way, but you know, <laughs> I, I agree. And I think that it's like, you know, with, with, thanks Haley, with people who are, you know, applying to jobs when I coach different girls on their careers and whatnot, it's like, Okay, they said no. That's literally one company. Like, you also only reached out to one person at that one company. Like, why not reach out to 100 different people in the marketing department at Nielsen, send them all a personalized message, compliment them on whatever achievement they've just come out with, and ask for five minutes of their time. Like, okay, two of them are going to respond, and all you need is one.
1: Exactly all you need is one ever with anything and um, like even in college that was a huge that's a huge thing I always want to tell young women especially if you have young women that follow you like I did not have the best grades like I was president of no clubs I really like was intimidated and borderline annoyed with people that were really involved in it all the book fairs and like telling you all the things you needed to do to get a job because I don't know I think I just felt intimidated and discouraged but I I ended up getting like one of the best jobs, like they moved me from New York to California to uh, Chicago. Like it was this amazing rotational program that I was so underqualified for. But what I didn't know about life until I became an adult is like a human like relationships like connections get you everywhere in terms of just being able to have a conversation, being likable, being enjoyable to be around. Like when I used to hire people at my corporate job, I'm like, do I want to be stuck in an airport with them for six hours? Like, (laughs) I don't care what your resume says. Are are you a nice person? Are you a team player? Are you going to look out for other people? Like, are you out for yourself? And Mm -hmm. I just think all those soft skills are the things you don't really know that really matter in life. And when I actually got in front of people and was interviewing and got to connect on a level beyond a piece of paper, I was getting asked back and uh places that my resume never got me
0: right it's so interesting too like i
1: the the black and
0: white resume unless you're gonna be like a lawyer doctor like you go girl you do that system but like if you're in marketing i always like i when i was trying to get my first job i chased a girl and i wanted to work for amazon fashion i thought that was like the future (laughs) i was like obsessed and i chased. A girl down at every single Amazon headquarters, pretending to be her husband's assistant, so that I could hand her. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I'm psycho. (laughs) We did that. That's like like guerrilla
1: self-marketing. Straight straight
0: (laughs) up. So crazy. There was a number on the Amazon Fashion Instagram. It was there by accident. I saw, I called, a guy picks up. His name is John. He's like, hello. I'm like, hello, is this Amazon Fashion? Like, it couldn't be this easy. He's like, oh, no, that's my wife, Candice. She runs Amazon Fashion. It's not Candice. I'm protecting your privacy. And he's like yeah, like, you, you can, like, try to find her email somewhere. I'm like, wait, 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 John. Like, listen, I know it's 7 a.m. and I know I woke you up, so I'm going to send you Starbucks gift card if you just tell me what your wife's name and email is. So, like, I got a <laughs> Starbucks gift card. Chase went to all the Amazon headquarters in New York, found her, flirted with a security guard to get her, got her, and now I keep in touch. Wait, so
1: she was fine with that? This is about you, not me. (laughs) No, I'm fascinated Um, by the story. Because what's funny about that is I have a lot of gumption, but I'm not um, forward. Like, I I I will do it behind a screen, but I I wouldn't, like, approach people. Like, I'm kind of shy in that way. So I'm fascinated by the story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just straight up, I mean,
0: I've done things like, you know, I just want to get my shoe in the door and, like, literally bring them a shoe. Like, actually bring them a shoe as a joke. And, like, I mean, like, be rel like I I admire and I've hired interns who like stand out and do crazy shit. Excuse my language. Like make yourself different. If I yeah. think people respect it, and if anything, you're memorable.
1: That's true. And and or they might just talk to you because you you're persistent. And then if they talk to you and not like you, then they might per- you know what I mean? Like right. it's it, yeah, you never let, know what people are looking for. Like I think um like my manager Courtney, I met her through Instagram because kind of one day, over a year ago, I was like, I just want like a Chris Jenner, like, does anybody? I kind of was like joking, but like not really, and I got a ton of emails. Um, and she's the only person I met with because at that time, what I had never found in anybody I had worked with, or even like people in my immediate life, was somebody that like gets it, like gets what I want to do gets the podcast space, gets the Bravo shows I like, gets, you know what I mean? It's like, I, right. I I can't feel empowered if my work is trivialized. And unfortunately to a lot of people, podcasts and Instagram, it like, just isn't, it, you know, it's not rocket science, but mm-hmm. um, doesn't mean it's not difficult and require a lot of strategy and oversight. And she emailed me and it it's not like she was tap dancing, but she just told me specifically what she liked about me, what she was also interested in. And it was just specific. And it's like, I'm amazed by how many people reach out and, like, say nothing about why they care, why they like you, why they they like your business. It's so important to take the time to cater emails. And I think when people, like, mass reach out to people, they're frustrated. But if it's not personalized, I think it's completely worthless and ineffective.
0: Sister, I'm flying to Chicago right now. I'm like, (laughs) you're my soulmate because I couldn't. You're preaching to the choir. you know, it's so interesting too. It's like that easy apply thing on LinkedIn. Why, why do you think you don't hear back from Easy Apply on LinkedIn after applying oh, to yeah. eight hundred companies? It's because you're sending a general cover letter, a general resume. It's so boring. After reading three of them, you're like, "Can I,
1: can I take a day off?" Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, and I think on online the online application process is a nightmare. And I think like. It really is unfortunate that there's not a better feedback loop for people who are job hunting online that only have that as their means to get their foot in the door. But to your mm-hmm. point, it doesn't hurt to get creative. And, like, leveraging LinkedIn tools, even, um, like, if you're a premium member, I think you can, like, export your contacts. And, like, you can also – I think going through an alma mater is, like – the the best way because people like feel guilty Mm -hmm. if they don't respond to you like milk that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes i went to wisconsin and like the first thing i did graduating was reach out to wisco and michigan people because they relate to that big 10 mindset or your high school or something it's like even even like just let's say you apply to a job and you see that there's a woman who's a marketing head and you see she has an assistant, like yes. you know that assistant wants to feel important. Like go hype the assistant up right? so that you can leverage that relationship.
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think, yeah, people need to think outside the box and I, I don't know. I think th- just as people, want like validation that inflates their ego I think they seek validation that inflates their like insecurities and mm-hmm. if one or two people say says something that even strikes a nerve with something they're a little bit insecure about they'll just like believe it all the more right and um yeah I I just I don't know I is that like people say like you know never give up or whatever but like literally don't because like who cares it just if you don't have to tell people what you're doing you don't have to be embarrassed like it's I think that's a funny thing too is people tell everyone everything then they have to go and do their rounds and like tell them they didn't get it i'm like just omission folks like you don't have to tell everyone everything you're doing right and like imagine how you would have felt you were launching
0: yourself at different publishers and trying to figure this book space out or this podcast podcast space out or the doormat space out like you didn't know what you were doing right no. you just kind of So walk us through that and, like, that mentality. How did you keep yourself motivated and and inspired, and how did you keep going?
1: I think, like, kind of what we were talking about is a big uh, big hurdle. People experience is the concept of, like, not really knowing what you're doing, telling people you're doing something, but you don't even know if it's going to work yet. And it's kind of hard to explain to people around you, what your plan is in the absence of a guaranteed outcome. And I think first and foremost, if you're ever going to go off and do anything on your own, you need a tolerance to ambiguity. That's pretty high because every, like I never ever know what's going to happen, where my income is going to come from. If I'll get a certain project, like I think that's a big threshold that you have to be okay with first and foremost. But in terms of navigating all that, like I learned through the mats, you kind of have to follow your, follow the thing you're good at, follow the thing that makes you lose track of time and just like do more of what you enjoy and things kind of that you're good at present themselves to you. And they act, they work more than other things do. Like everything I tried to force myself into do that was insincere, maybe didn't come easily to me, wouldn't land. But like, even though the mats are a weird vehicle, I can like paint and draw. And so one day being like, well, let me just put this on a map because I know I can cause I have the fit that have the skill. And I just think that it's that simple in terms of, you people almost try to think of the, the you know, end point and work backward. But I think it's a little more day to day than uh, and I know that's like not a great piece of advice because it almost makes you feel like you're not working toward anything. Uh, but I that's why I always tell people you can't like you have to do it on the side. You can't leave your job to start something. You have to start something while you have other income. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the way to do it.
0: You know, it's interesting because I started in real estate and started Instagramming under my desk and that's how I realized that I love to do branding for different people and then I went on to just present to different model agencies why they needed me because I knew they were like 14 year old girls from Russia who didn't know how to run an Instagram and it's like, I could teach them something that came so naturally to me and then Mm -hmm. you know, obviously stayed in real estate and then had to make a transition eventually so What advice do you have regarding financials? Like, I know, I feel like girls are in, or women, females, people who identify as she, they don't feel like they have that knowledge or perception of stocks, investing, like, Is there a specific tool that you use or that you've used to educate yourself? Oh, anyone, anything. Yeah. And so you started, I just looked at the time and realized that I've held you hostage for like seven more minutes than I promised. So I'm going to try
1: to go as fast as I can. I'm Um, good. I promise. I literally know where to be. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I wouldn't say that's my strong suit, but what I did do is save a ton of money before I quit my job. So I could like at least live for a year, if I needed to and then to find other work. Um, For me, I think the biggest thing is like, I've always thought it was interesting, because part of the reason I left is I waited, I waited till I got my bonus for the prior year at my corporate job till I left to run my company. And I feel like a lot of people have been like off put or shocked that I like take, took my bonus and ran. But what I always want to remind people is your bonus isn't for the work you're doing going forward. It's for the work you did this past year and you should always take it and never feel guilty about it. Even if you have to leave afterward.
0: Um, Amen.
1: And so that was honestly, I lived for really like, I lived off of the money that was coming in, but it took me a while to build the business, but I lived off of that bonus for a long time. And even though it, you know, it's not, I didn't burn bridges like necessarily putting the company, but um, I do think it's hard when you feel like you're disappointing people or like you owe them something, but technically speaking, you don't.
0: <laughs> you know, so, you know, walk us through that podcast moment, because on your stories, you started doing in-depth analyses of Taylor Swift, who you love, and I want to hear your position on that. And you, you know, you turn pop culture into something that we can dissect almost like ESPN. How did you start doing that? And then how did that transition into a podcast?
1: Yeah, I, um, my whole life I've loved pop culture. My family loves pop culture. Like we're big TV watchers. I text my dad about 90 day fiance. Like, (laughs) you know, it's just kind of always been part of our, um, our dialogue. And I've never had a lot of close friends that liked the same things I did, or that was delved into pop culture. And when I became self employed, I became wholly reliant on the company of podcasts, and you know, various digital mediums to keep me company throughout the day, because I was alone. So I became a huge podcast fan. Um, but I almost felt that the way pop culture was represented in this space was in this very, uh, it was like, you know, lighthearted and humor based, but it was just saying what happened and not really what it means. And it fed into kind of the stereotype that like uh, people, people that trivialize women's interests are like, celebrity gossip is stupid or, you know, reality TV is lame. It's like, no, it's it's lame to deny its impact on the like our current culture on the zeitgeist, on the zeitgeist, like everything we do, social media impacts, celebrity culture impacts TV, movies, whatever. And I just kind of wanted to like, I don't know, bring in my corporate background and my market research background of like analytics and pair it with my natural interest in pop culture and talk about it in a way that was a little bit more analytical and elevated than like, and you know, not to throw them under the bus, but E-news, like everything they say, they're like, oh, well, like Sean and Camilla be able to Mendez their relationship. It's just like, shut up, like (laughs) like, say something, use a vocabulary word, it (laughs) drives me (laughs) nuts. And so, like, you started taking this,
0: I love that, and I, their outfit pictures, wow. Um, so, you know, how did you take that knowledge, and, and you wanted to get in depth, and you wanted to de-trivialize de-trivial- this celebrity and, and pop culture movement, where did you start? So you start on Instagram, and then when did you turn to turn it into a podcast?
1: I'd say probably like a solid six months into doing like Instagram analyses, I kind of made a deliberate point to try, try to shift people away from like following me for the mats and shift because of like the content I shared. The biggest change was the, the, the nexus of Instagram stories. They didn't exist till 2017. And um, which is crazy to think about it, an Instagram without stories, isn't it? Crazy. Yeah, when they took Snapchat's business model essentially, <laughs> um, and yeah, I started like just sharing commentary on um, Daily Mail articles, and like I would look up metadata of paparazzi photos to like show people that like they were very much planned because P- people's PR people sends them verbiage that shows up in every photo, so the people that ma- like they know exactly what to say, um, and there are just like different things I would do that I, that it didn't have a big following. People were super engaged with it and it was getting to a point where I had too many stories and I don't know, I was kind of like, I've always loved public speaking. I love anything with words. I, I love, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that like, I'm not that private. Like I'm okay. Opening up. And I I think we have a way more to gain by sharing than we do by hoarding, like who we are in our stories. And I was like, well, why not try it? Like it's just talking. Um, what I didn't know I was doing at the time was like, it's pretty weird to have a monologue podcast. Like that's, like, I didn't, like, for the first 70 episodes, I never had a guest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was definitely a risk, but I really just thought that there had to be more people like me out there, and at the very least, if I didn't have immediate friends that like the same stuff, what, why, why like, maybe I could find them.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, and I, someone said that this is the only live they've stayed on. Alyssa said this is the only live she's clicked on during quarantine and stayed, so clearly you did find... A lot of friends. Oh, that's nice. Thanks, Alyssa. So, like, walk us through that usage of social media. And, you know, do you believe that I know there are a lot of negative effects and there are a lot of bad things that can happen? And for me, I have a rule where I only follow people who I would want to get coffee with so that I don't go crazy with like following all everyone else who like maybe they won't feed my mindset and maybe they won't bring that positivity in my life what are your positivity or social media hacks and how do you engage day to day on this platform that's now your your life and your business
1: yeah i Well, I like that lens you just mentioned of wanting to get coffee with people. I think that's a good way to prevent yourself from doing the dreaded hate follow, which I'd I'd like to say I'm above, but sometimes I just want to see how it nuts out. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I honestly, my biggest thing is if I'm not having fun, I just don't do it. I don't post, I walk away from it. I think it's supposed to be fun. And I think it's supposed to be like social and ancillary. And I use it for... things of varying levels of depth. Absolutely not just lighthearted stuff. But I just think that uh, the risk you run is if you take things out. Like we're all in bad moods, we all say the wrong thing, we all overreact, but doing that on social media immortalizes it. So don't let your passing move mood be like your Instagram story. But that said, there's level of vulnerability. Like today, I was like, I can't get out of bed. I mean, you know, sometimes you need to just be a real person. But to your point, I think there's a lot of negatives about social media, but I think people neglect to realize, like, look at right now, the connectivity it yields. So this is all we have. Like, the, the, this is how we're staying in touch. This is how we're making sure people are okay. This is how we feel normal. And beyond that, it's made celebrity and fame a democracy. It used to be completely the barrier to entry of fame, of connections, of money, of your lineage. Like, you can now be a socialite if you're dancing on TikTok and you're 14 years old, you know? like. It's just actually created a really fair, uh, an even playing field for people and unknown talent to get on the scene. And I think that's incredibly cool.
0: It is so cool. And it's so cool that, you know, it enables all of us to feel like we kind of know each other on another level. Like here you were in my camera roll screenshots from a year ago, and now I feel like It's just easy. It's easy to talk. And you're right. It takes people off their high horse. So um, that's so incredible. And okay. And just to close this off, because I know that people are busy and I could go on forever. You know, what is that one thing? I, I know you, you know, left your nine to five when you felt financially that it was a responsible thing to do. But what would you say to your younger self if you could talk to her right now? Like what you're I mean, you're an inspiration to so many people. You're, you are so engaging and so raw and honest and just real. And it feels like we're just talking as like two besties and that honestly go live a lot. And <laughs> it it doesn't feel like that with a lot of people. So, I mean, how did you forge a career out of just who you are and, and what, what do you say to her?
1: I think that what the well a thank you it's been lovely talking to you too and um, b I think that I don't know I always tell my parents that like I think that their their acceptance and embracing of mediocrity when I was a kid and a teenager made me excel as an adult because I am not like I was it's not that I'm that book smart I didn't have straight A's like I am I am so cool with Bs in life like I I do not need to be perfect like. I think my parents celebrated anything I did that was like average or above average. They they praised effort and not excellence. And um, I always just like, even when things were bad at school or with friends with boys, I always felt like a genius at home. And they really kind of taught me that all that matters in life is trying stuff. And I've just never been afraid to try things. And I think that When I reflect on my career, I've done all these random things, and people are like, "How?" and I'm like, "Well, I think it's because I tried it. Like, I don't know. Do you want (laughs) to write? Have you sent out a book proposal? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think it's as simple as that. And um, I think that a lot of times when people learn to only go for the A, they're only praised for the A when they personally need the A, and then you graduate school and you realize life is gray, and life doesn't have some sort of like third party grading system to tell you you're doing well. Um the, all of these other things matter, and that I think the way I was raised and the ways I, things I was taught to value actually worked really well in adult life and um I don't know, and I think that like a lot of people get really embarrassed telling other people they're trying stuff, and like when you think about everything I've ever done, it's so embarrassing, like writing a kid's book about Instagram, you know starting a doormat business, starting a podcast when like everyone has one like we, that makes me sound like I think I'm so special, but I didn't care. <laughs> Um, because I just think, you know, what your gifts are and if you're not sharing them, you're robbing the world of your own gifts. And if you're going to let some side comment, stop you from doing something, um, what a shame that is. And if you don't want their commentary, then don't solicit it because if they're not your target market, if they're not your end user, anybody who's not my end podcast listener, I have no interest in their opinion, including my, like, I love my parents, but sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry, but you don't get it. Um, And I think that those people get in your head and create a lot of noise and it makes people not try stuff. So even I think like as my younger self, I wish I gave myself a little bit more credit um, because just because I wasn't smart in the traditional ways that school praises doesn't mean I had a lot of skills that were highly transferable to life.
0: So I, I don't think I could say it any better. I'm completely speechless. <laughs> and, and and you know, I think if there's one thing we could leave
1: everyone with, it's just like, try, right? Yeah, totally. At the end of the day, that's what you did.
0: All you I did
1: don't, is- I, have, I don't have any qualif- like, I, I don't have qualifications for anything I've ever done. And obviously I'm like, I have. there's a lot of ways in which I'm lucky and like, you know, that yes, being yeah. able to even like start being able to even start like when I had an existing income, like I won't pretend for a second that like, I pieced this together from nothing. Um, but I didn't, this wasn't what I intended for my life. But it's kind of where I found myself because I just tried a bunch of different things. And I think if, if like, I sometimes when I'm doing sh- like live shows, I'm like, five years ago, I was I don't know. I was just like in conference rooms on meetings. Like if somebody told me I'd been on a stage, like performing, I'd be like, for what? (laughs) I would have have never known. You know, it's just, it's kind of funny. You just never know what you're capable of until you try it. So you kind of have to leave with your lead with your potential and not your reality.
0: Incredible. I I really think it's incredible. And also the fact that you are not 14 years old and, you know, a gifted child who plays the piano at Carnegie Hall. Like you just went on and started a podcast and you're in your thirties and you're in Chicago and there's no age that you have to, you know, start or end at. And I think that's something that you've taught me is that, you know, you can try and you can try again within the same week and you can be 80 years old and try it. You can be wherever you want in whatever city you just have to put yourself to the test and and just trust yourself
1: absolutely you you don't you don't need anybody's permission to be what you want to do like be what you want to be like I wanted to be an author and the, like so I had you have to write something to become an author so like you can write something to become a writer you can self-publish you can like I just think that people think there are these like guardrails or connections, there are things you need to have and you just don't. And just like Google it. I swear. That's like the most effective thing you can ever do to get where you want in life. Well, we will be linking this into a podcast
0: that I will send to you. Um, and the title will be Google It, just Google yeah. It. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much for being here. I you list lift so many spirits every day. And I just personally, on behalf of everyone, want to say Thank you. Um, oh, that's so, you so nice. Much. Thank you.
1: Do the best. Take You're care. Do the best. Talk Bye. to you soon.
0: That was so awesome. I mean, I like had all of these notes. I text myself. Do you see? I text myself before I go live just because there are sometimes things that I want to cover. And it's just like, we didn't even need to cover the notes because it all was just straight from the heart. Thanks for tuning in to Live with Liv. Remember to be kind, be you, and take risks. Life is better when you just go for it. See you next time, Liv Schreiber.